At the time of recording this podcast, Wall Street is freaking out. They are. The Dow is down by at least 300 points, at least at the time of recording of this podcast, on fears that the Fed will be over-tightening due to potential, I believe, the budget that has to be expanded in Washington. It's hard to tell. The Wall Street news is kind of all over the map today. But if that's the case, well, we are in for a fun ride this year in the making. Okay. I do expect, like I said in yesterday's podcast, that the U.S. government will expand its budget for the year because Washington's really good at spending money. But it also does bring some worrisome uh, thoughts of what could potentially happen to the markets going forward. And we won't get into that a whole lot today. And if there is, we will talk about it towards the end because we do talk about it a little bit in today's podcast, okay? But we do have some news to cover before we get into that, okay? First off, Procter & Gamble is finally talking. And this is actually big because yesterday we talked about Unilever and how they believed that they were going to have to raise prices. And Procter & Gamble is actually looking at that as well. And that was something I actually said yesterday. So we'll get a little bit about into that as well. And we got some news from about Netflix. Netflix is re, is going to report earnings at, for their fourth quarter. And what is Wall Street expecting and what could potentially happen to this company? Okay. Then we got news from Amazon. And this is kind of big news. Okay. So we had reported that they were cutting jobs, but they're also cutting, they're discontinuing a, a charity donation program as part of their cuts at Amazon. And what does that mean for Amazon going forward? Then we got to talk about the politics sides of Wall Street today or Yellen is saying that the treasury is taking extraordinary measures to avoid default default as it hits its debt limits. And finally, Jamie Dimon is saying that Congress shouldn't play games with the creditworthiness of the U.S. government. Okay, And we'll get into all that today. So with that being said, I have to remind you all that I'm not a professional advisor in any way, shape, or form. And everything I talk about in this podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only. You need to do your own research before investing as you're not guaranteed to make money when you invest in the stock market. Please also note too that I am not a professional advisor in any way, shape, or form. And everything that I talk about in this podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only. Like I say, you need to do your own research and talk to your financial advisor as they understand your financial situation a lot better than I would. I legally can't give you financial advice. This is You have to realize that and you must do your own research before investing. Please also note too that I do hold a small position in Procter & Gamble and it's a long-term position. And with that, let's begin today's podcast. Procter & Gamble revenue and profit fall as company looks at higher prices to offset declining sales. Procter & Gamble reported year-over-year declines in revenue and profit on Thursday as higher prices look to offset declining sales volume. Here's how Procter & Gamble performed in the fiscal second quarter of 2023 compared to with Wall Street anticipated based on an average of analysis estimates compiled by Refinitiv. Adjusted earnings per share is $1.59 versus an expected $1.59. Total revenue is at $20.77 billion versus the expected $20.73 billion. For the past three months, period ended December 31st. The company reported net income of $3.9 billion or $1.59 per share, excluding items down from the $4.22 billion or $1.66 per share a year earlier. Net sales fell to $20.77 billion, a 1% decrease from the previous year, which toppled analysis projections of $20.73 billion. The company's organic revenue, which excluded the impact of foreign currency acquisitions and divestitures, increased 5% during the fiscal second quarter. That rise was was a result of higher pricing and outweighed shrinking consumer demand. All the company's division reported declining sales volume in the quarter, despite seeing increase in organic sales as a result of hiring price, uh, higher pricing its grooming division, which housed brands like Gillette and The Art of Shaving, and which has historically underperformed for the company, reported no sales growth. Its volume declines completely canceled out its higher prices. 
PNG executives noted on the call with the media that the consumer demand is responsible for at least half of the 6% sales volume decrease. The remaining volume decline was due to reigning in businesses in Russia as the war in Ukraine persists, along with inventory reductions in China, its second highest biggest market as COVID lockdowns disrupt the region. As China loosens COVID restrictions, the market is primed for a rebound. PNG's chief financial officer, Andrea Schulten, expects the company reopening will return the market to mid-single-digit growth. Quote, when exactly that happens is hard to predict, Schulten said on the media call. The Cincinnati-based consumer goods giant, which owns brands like Crest, Toothpaste, Tide Laundry, Detergent, and Pampers Diapers, forecasts in October, alongside its fourth quarter report, a $3.9 billion hit to its fiscal year, 2023 due to unfavorable foreign exchange rates and pricier raw material commodities and freight. As a result, the company lowered its guidance despite posting a solid first quarter. The company now anticipates headwinds of $3.7 billion for the remainder of the fiscal year. It's at Thursday making a slight improvement, but it warned those headwinds would continue to squeeze PNG's gross margins, which saw a 160 basis points decrease during the second quarter versus a year ago. PNG doubling down on its price hiking strategy, even as shrinking consumer demand continues to erode sales volume. Schultz said consumers have reacted to price hikes generally expected better than expected, especially in non-discretionary categories like feminine care and cleaning supplies. Consumers don't stop washing their hands or doing their laundry, Schultz said. The company will further increase prices in the coming months. Okay, I'm going to leave it at this right now because the article just keeps going on and on. And we don't need to talk about everything about the company, but... We had mentioned yesterday that Unilever had said that they were going to have to raise prices. And now PG&E are having to raise prices as well. Okay, My opinion now, I bet you Clorox is potentially going to have to raise prices. And what was the other company? There's one more company that I cannot remember for the life of me that's kind of in the same category. Kimberly Clark. That's what it is. I wouldn't be surprised if Kimberly and Clark has to raise theirs as well. Okay, Which means there's inflation numbers on the table. And that could not mean that th- things are going to get extremely chaotic across the board. Prices are going to be going up across the board, it seems like. Okay. Don't be surprised if next time you go buy toilet paper that it's up in price or just anything from these household brands. Okay. Keep paying attention, people, because what they do will decide a lot of stuff. Okay. Not only that, but. This makes me wonder, Procter & Gamble in a few quarters, or maybe it's next quarter, they have a tendency of announcing a dividend raise in the making. And it makes me wonder if they'll really have to, if they do increase their dividend, it'll be by like a penny potentially, okay? And I say that because I don't know what PG&E is going to be doing going forward or these companies just in general. But inflation is here. These companies are telling us and now they're having to raise prices, which means it's affecting their bottom line. Now, it's quite surprising that, actually, it's really not that surprising that Gillette's being hit, their shaving brand, because a few years ago, there was that scandal of they weren't really reaching out to the right audience when it came to their commercials for that. PG&E probably shot themselves in the foot for that, and now they're having to feel it across the board. So don't be surprised soon if you start seeing also commercials too with PG&E talking about razors again and i'm curious to know how that's all going to be affecting and their profits going forward at pg&e but i do remember there was some scandal with pg&e i just can't remember all the full details about it but we'll we'll see what pg&e does going forward it's going to be interesting so continuing on says netflix is set to report fourth quarter earnings after the bell here's what to expect from cnbc 
Are consumers gravitating towards Netflix, a new ad-support service? Shareholders are hoping the streamer sheds light on the new plan during the fourth quarter earnings report, which is due after the bell Thursday. Wall Street has kept a close eye on Netflix in recent quarters as it broke with its own tradition to offer up lower price tier with advertisements and tease new strategies for cracking down on password sharing, all in the effort to boost revenue. Here's what Wall Street expected. Earning per shares of $0.45 cents per share, according to Refinitiv. Revenue is at $7.85 billion, according to Refinitiv survey. Expected global paid net subscribers, addition of 4.57 million subscribers, according to street account estimates. Last quarter, the streamer said it was very optimistic about this new advertising business. While it doesn't expect the new tier will add a new add a material contribution to its fourth quarter results, it foresees membership growth gradually over time. Heading into Thursday's report, analysis are expecting the company to announce an additional 4.57 million paid subscribers on pace with Netflix's own projections of 4.5 million. The number would be the stronger than 2.4 million the service added in the previous quarter. That's significantly better than the decline it saw in the first half of the year. Going forward, Netflix will no longer give subscriber guidance, although it still report those numbers in future earnings reports. The rationale is that the company is growing its focus on revenue as its primary top line metric instead of membership growth. Okay. You know, I was wrong last quarter. I literally said I firm believe that Netflix wasn't going to do well. And of course, Netflix did well. I still think soon Netflix will not be doing well. Okay. And and like I keep saying, I just don't see major content that is going to change Netflix strategy. Okay. Think about this. I, I was talking about this with someone the other day. We were talking about Disney and I flat out told the person, I said, Disney gets a lot of its revenue now from subscribers that are on Disney plus. Okay. Disney has a lot of material that they can have. And a lot of people want to live nostalgic lives and watch certain Disney movies all the time. <clears throat> Excuse me. But there's there's some there's some breathing room for Disney because obviously Disney also has their theme parks. They have ESPN. They have their cruises. Pretty diversified company at the end of the day. Netflix doesn't have that luxury, at least to my knowledge. Netflix is more of a streaming service business, which is fine. But I still think there will be a day where Netflix gets bought out. I do. And I can see them being bought out by a tech company. And I don't believe, I, I'm i not, I mean, this at this point, it's a 50-50 chance of getting this right. I don't know how Netflix is going to do this quarter. I really don't. Now, what's interesting is that they weren't talking about it as much. As much. See, last quarter, before leading up to their earnings, when I was making the prediction that they weren't going to do well, there was a lot of report on Netflix and there was a lot of negativity. And then the earnings came out and they were positive. So maybe this is the quarter where I could potentially be right that Netflix is going to do well. This isn't financial advice. I mean, at the time of the recording this podcast, they haven't reported numbers just yet, but I still see a future soon where Netflix doesn't do well. And it could be this quarter. It really could be because I just don't see it happening. I don't see a lot of people continuing watching stuff, especially when you have a lot of options these days, but something's got to give. And in just my opinion at the end of the day, at some time down the line, Netflix will not be doing as well as they should be. But that's sometime down the line, though. Continuing on, Amazon discontinues charity donation program amid cost cuts. Tongue twister, I guess. It says here from CNBC, Amazon said Wednesday it plans to shut down its charity donation program in its latest example of the company's broader cost-cutting efforts. Through the program called Amazon Smile, the e-retailer donates a percentage of its eligible purchases on the site to the shopper's chosen charity organization. Amazon said it has donated roughly $500 million to charities since the program launched in 2013. Amazon now plans to wind down Amazon Smile by February 20th. The company said it noticed 
to customers posted on its website. Quote, after almost a decade of the program and has not grown to create the impact that we had originally hoped, the company said, with so many eligible organizations, more than 1 million globally, our ability to have impact was often spread too thin. The average donation to charity was less than 230, Amazon said. Amazon will continue to invest in areas where it can make meaningful change, such as assisting with natural disasters, relief affordable housing initiatives, and community assistance programs, the company said. The move to shutter Amazon Smile comes as CEO Andy Jassy has embarked on sweeping review of the company's expenses amid a worsening economic outlook and slowing growth in its retail division. Amazon has commenced the largest layoff in history and initiated a hiring freeze across the corporate workforce. As Jassy has worked to rein in costs, the company paused warehouse expansion and shuttered some experimental projects like its telehealth services and a quirky video calling device for kids. It's interesting that they're having to cut this, okay? Which means, just food for thought, sometime down the line, you if since Amazon is now doing this, okay, what is Amazon not willing to cut? My opinion, political donations will still be used. They'll still be giving political, they'll be giving money to politicians. That's fine. That's their choice at the end of the day. But now they're not giving too much to charities. I'm curious to know where these people are now that like there's not an uproar about this right now that they're ending this, okay? And I mean, Amazon... Don't be surprised soon if you start hearing people say like, oh, Amazon's not giving enough back to the community. They're not giving enough to charities. And to be fair, I didn't even know that Amazon had this program back uh, since 2013, I think it said it was. So don't be surprised soon if we start hearing news reports. And that's not going to happen today. Just let's we're, we're, we're looking into the future a little bit. This is the one time where we can look into the future. We don't have a crystal ball, obviously, but... Don't be surprised if someone down the line, they start ripping on Amazon because they're not giving enough to donations to charity. And then one day Amazon's just like, look, we started a program again. But we we know that they've had this since 2013 as of today on this podcast. But it's something to continue to keep an eye out because I can't see Amazon being ripped on this soon. Just watch. Now for the politics side of things. Okay, it says Yellen says Treasury is taking extraordinary measures to avoid default as U.S. hits debt limit. CNBC, the politics side. The Treasury Department started taking so-called extraordinary measures to keep paying the federal government bills as the U.S. hit a debt limit Thursday, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen said. In a letter addressed to the Household Speaker Kevin McCarthy, Republican from California, Yellen said the Treasury will suspend new investments in the Civil Service Retirement and Disability Fund and the Postal Service Retire and Health Benefits Fund from Thursday until June 5th of 2023. But she warned both moves are subject to considerable uncertainty if Congress does not pass a bill to increase the $31.4 trillion debt ceiling. Oh, goody. Increasing the debt ceiling. Continuing on the article, says the Treasury Secretary told lawmakers Friday that she believes the extraordinary steps could allow the government to pay its obligations until early June. Yellen last week urged Congress to act in a timely manner to increase the sus- or suspend the debt limit, as failing to do so could lead to a first-ever default on U.S. debt and cause economic damage around the world. The White House also urged Congress on Friday to raise the debt ceiling without condition. The Treasury Secretary warned last week that the U.S. government could hit a statutory debt ceiling on Thursday, after which extraordinary measures would be taken to keep the government from defaulting on its debt obligations. The U.S. government has not defaulted on its debt, but the debt ceiling has been raised 22 times from 1997 till 2022, according to the Government Accountability Office. The Biden administration will prioritize negotiations for a new bill to increase the debt limit after a mid-April tax deadline, according to senior White House officials. 
concessions sought by the new Republican House majority have led to concerns that Congress could have trouble raising the debt ceiling before June. Certain GOP lawmakers have said they want to slash spending as part of the agreement to increase the borrowing limit. Some Republicans representatives have said major spending cuts to key government programs like Medicare and Social Security were part of the negotiations that helped MacArthur secure support from hardline conservatives and win the speakership. McCarthy has also has called for cuts to avoid bankrupting programs like Medicare and Social Security. Quote, you couldn't just keep increasing it, he said on Fox News Sunday. Let's sit down and change our behavior for the good of America, because what we are going to do is bankrupt this country and bankrupt those entitlements if we don't change their behavior today. Other House Republicans, such as Representatives Ralph Norman, <coughs> excuse me, of South Carolina, and Chip Roy of Texas also demand spending <coughs> excuse me, decreases ahead of the debt limit increase. You only have so much leverage in negotiation points. The debt ceiling is one of those, Royce said. White House Press Secretary Karen Jean-Pierre told reporters this week that President Joe Biden is unwilling to tie conditions to debt ceiling negotiations. Quote, this is another attempt by congressional Republicans to force unpopular cuts on programs critical to senior, the middle class, and the working families. Congress needs to act and do so quickly. There's no excuse for political uh, brinkmanship, Jean-Pierre said Tuesday. The debt ceiling limits and the level of debt the federal government can assume limit lifting it ensures the government can continue to borrow, not spend, to meet its budget goals. Oh, good. They keep borrowing for our future. Can't say it better than that. And I think Jamie Dimon says this better before we end today's podcast. It says, Jamie Dimon says Congress shouldn't play games with the creditworthiness of the U.S. government. Says J.P. Morgan's Chase CEO Jamie Dimon said Thursday that the politicians should be serious about the debt ceiling as Congress remains locked into the political fight to increase the U.S. borrowing. Quote, we should never question the creditworthiness of the United States government. This should never happen. Dimon said Thursday on CNBC Squawk Box from the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland. His comments come as Congress remains in a standoff over the debt ceiling, the amount of money that the U.S. is authorized to borrow to pay its bills. Treasury Secretary Jan Yellen said last week the U.S. debt default would cause ear irreparable harm to the U.S. economy, the livelihoods of all Americans, and the global financial stability. Today, Jamie Dimon said, of course, the Democrats will blame the Republicans, and Republicans will blame the Democrats. I don't care who blames who. Even questioning it is the wrong thing to do. That is part of the financial structure of the world. This is not something you should be playing games with at all. The current ceiling is about $31.4 trillion since the cost of government operations exceeds federal tax revenues. The U.S. must raise money by selling treasury bonds, but can't do so beyond the mandate debt ceiling. A U.S. default would send shockwaves through the U.S. and global economies, including market volatility and frozen federal benefits. On a broader economy, Diamond said inflation will likely remain stubbornly elevated, forcing the Federal Reserve to raise rates higher than 5%. Okay. I do agree with you, Jamie Diamond, on that regard. I do expect rates to continue to rise. I do also believe, too, that there's a high probability that they're going to raise the debt ceiling today. Today is Thursday, right? Yes, it is. They, they, they will. In some way, shape, or form. Even if it happens to be at midnight when they pass the stinking bill. Okay, We are borrowing for our future. And the debt clock is going to continue to increase. And of course, most Americans don't even know about the debt clock that we have. Why would they? They don't need to worry about it as much. You will one day. Maybe you won't, personally. Your children's children might feel it. And in all honesty, I honestly believe my generation will feel it. Think about this. Young people will probably feel it in some way, shape, or form. We are constantly kicking the can down the road. We continue to borrow money, which we don't have. But that's how this works right now. And 
I do believe, like I said, if they raise the debt ceiling, you can potentially see Wall Street going crazy tomorrow. And all honestly, okay. And the reason I believe that is Wall Street's just going to be all happy. It'd be like, yay, we get to borrow more money and kick the can down the road. I don't know how it's all going to work out in the end. I really don't. I do know that there probably will be more borrowing in the making, though, because that's how things work in Washington. Because Washington doesn't seem to want to cut programs. I mean, personally, there are some programs I would be eyeing to get rid of. That would be an interesting thought right there. But the other reason I think they're going to increase it, too, is they want to keep the economy flowing as much as possible. And this is also a huge political move for any politician at this point. And Wall Street is probably going to convince the U.S. government in some way, shape or form to be able to continue to borrow money, which we don't have. Okay. I mean, I don't 100% agree with Jamie Dimon on a lot of stuff, I guess, right now when it comes to this, because I've been paying attention to the debt clock. I mean, you could probably even pull it up right now and see where we're at currently right now with how much we have. Let's actually look that up real quick before in today's uh, podcast today. U.S. debt clock and national real time. This is going to be a fun one to look at. As this is pulling up, last I remember checking it, I remember reading it was like $28 trillion in debt at the time. And I remember thinking like, oh my, that is a big number. It's not loading up as fast as I would like it to right now. Probably because the numbers are increasing like crazy. But at the end of the day, this is what it really boils down to. Wall Street's going to be happy if the debt ceiling does get raised. Okay, Not only that, but if the debt ceiling does get raised... They'll, they'll be buying a lot of stuff. Treasury bonds, you name it. Oh, actually, here it is. It's pulled up right now. We are looking at a U.S. debt clock of 31.5. Correction, we're almost at $31.5 trillion in debt. That's a that's a big, big, big number. I remember when it was like at, I think, 24 a few years back. I can't remember exactly. I mean, just looking at all these numbers, that's just... A lot of red, a lot of red across the board. You can look it up yourself. Go to, you go to like US debt, usdebtclock.org. You can actually see what's happening in real time. Okay. This is all I know. We are going to be facing some type of repercussions in the future for this. We won't feel it today. But like I keep saying, Wall Street will be happy tomorrow if they raise it. Okay. Don't be surprised if a bill gets passed tonight and becomes big news later this evening where it's like they've raised it and no one bats an eye when that happens. So I'll leave it there. With that being said, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. Hope you have enjoyed it. And if you have, please like and subscribe to this podcast. Every like and subscription helps grow this podcast and be able to get the news out there about what's really happening on Wall Street. To my fellow podcast listeners who have been listening loyal for your loyalty, thank you so much for continued support and sharing with friends or family as you have helped grow this podcast. Please also note too that we continue to ask you to share this podcast just so we can continue to get the word out there so that people will know. And like I've said earlier, I firmly believe Wall Street it's going to be happy tomorrow. It doesn't matter what the reports look like across the board. They will be happy in some way, shape, or form. Okay. And like I said, with earnings coming out, as long as the debt ceiling gets raised, that's all Wall Street's going to care about. So with that being said, thank you so much for today's podcast today. Thank you and goodbye.